Hello and welcome to the 15th episode of Mega Ten Marathon. It's a game-by-game journey through the Shin Megami Tensei and Persona games. I'm Paul M. Davis, and who am I here with? It's me, it's Brian. I played the game as well as these guys. Hey, it's Evan Noggle, and I'm back again. And Chris again, one more time. One more time, two more times I think we got you. Oh, yeah. This is the uh, third episode that we're doing on Strange Journey. This one is uh, coming a little, little late, which we have to apologize to y'all for. I don't know. I'm not apologizing to anybody. (laughs) Right. I deserve an apology for the fans for adding pressure to me on a very tough time in my life. So (laughs) it's, um, yeah, I'm sorry. The game got hard, like really hard. And also life got hard. Yeah. The game got hard and we got just busy and depressed. January in America has and, not been sick. Oh, that's right. I had, <laughs> yeah, I, I could barely talk last weekend. I forgot yeah, about you had, that. Yeah, you had strep for throat. Oh, but yeah, and fun. we tried. We tried to stay on schedule by doing something else and that failed. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not like we, our hearts weren't there. Sorry, everybody. The uh, Yeah, the fates definitely conspired against us with this one. But hopefully we will. Uh, yeah, after uh, powering through these two pretty substantial sections that we're going to talk about in this episode, uh, hopefully we can uh, <laughs> get back on track. Yeah, I'm really excited. Like, we got some really cool stuff this episode. Yeah, definitely. So just uh, a quick recap of what happened uh, last episode. Um, we're going back to the beginning. Uh, we are um, lost somewhere in a giant mass of mystery and you know a, a, a an alternative zone a a twilight zone perhaps um called the schwarzwelt which has taken over antarctica and we're in this uh giant atc kind of machine that can fly to sector from sector to sector um during last episode, we went through a uh, through Karina, which was a giant mini mall, and chased a huge pig that had consumed the gigantic one of our other ships, uh, and we beat the crap out of him while he said "blow no, blow no, blow no," and made him puke up the gigantic and uh, what was left of its equipment. Then we find found ourselves in a uh, big pile of trash called Delphina, and uh, we were sent backtracking to Buotes, uh, which was the uh, red light district or fuck palace that was uh, the second area in the game. And so, where we left off last episode is we were going up against the uh, boss of Delphina, as. as- Asura, and uh, we were just a little underleveled, so we weren't able to actually take this on. But at the time, our cast of characters were very ex- excited because, in theory, once we took down Asura, we would be able to find our way through the vanishing point and uh, return to Earth. So I have a question for the room. If at the end of Strange Journey there was a Twilight Zone twist and Rob <laughs> Sterling came out at the end, like what would that what would that twist be? What would be the twist of Strange Journey that you I were th- in America all along? That humans were the demons all along. 
I feel like we already have a Rod Sterling character, and that's Commander Gore in his uh, fly tuxedo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. So, like, oh, you're saying he comes down after the credits, and he's like, humans, demons, are they so different after all? <laughs> <laughs> Although, if it was the Twilight Zone, it would it would have waited until a little bit closer to the end to drop its, like, moral uh, message instead of pounding it into our heads at every single turn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, there haven't been any scary doors, though. Disappointing lack of scary doors. Oh, well, we're going to get to some scary doors around when we get to Gru's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, we're not at Gru's yet. That'll be next episode. So, Asura, you guys all might remember we got there, we tried. Uh, the dude had a berserker attack that was just next to impossible to deflect at the levels and positions we were at in the game. So, uh, except for Chris, Chris did his job and uh, beat the boss with no effort. So um, how did you guys go ahead and beat the beat this thing? I'll go last because my story's the dumbest. Evan, Paul, who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go. I just, I just fused some new demons, uh, ones that were, um, ones that had good ice spells. I fused Black Frost finally and, uh, I learned the strategy of defending on the first turn, then defending every four or five turns after. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty much it. Pretty much what I did too. I spent like a good like three or four hours just walking around grinding. Um, after having to go through his long monologue about three or four times to actually get to the fight and have it <laughs> then kick my ass. Um, <laughs> so I was finally so like, this guy can get fucked. I'm gonna, you know. <laughs> really level up and get some, you know, high quality password demons um, from the FAQ, which is what I did. And, uh, you know, once I did that and I figured out the timing, I think it's every five turns he uh, uses the uh, Berserker move, whatever that's called. Um, What's that? I think it's a Suraroga. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Um, Yeah. And defended and I was strong enough and, had enough uh, ice attacks uh, or had enough uh, members of the party with ice attacks that if one person got berserked, even because even though they were uh, defending, um, I could still uh, kill them off pretty quickly. The frustrating thing about the berserk spell is that while, while it will generally happen every three or four, tur- three, four or five turns, and like you can kind of predict that by just, okay, it hasn't been in a few turns, so I'm just going to defend until it shows up. I've had it happen three turns in a row before. So, like, it, there's definitely a lot of, like, oh, you think you have this boss figured out, huh? Nah, I'm going to fuck you over. So, there, even when I had my strategy down, it took three tries to get through this guy. Yeah, it was rough. Um, so, I tried so many ways. I tried the level-up method. I found the amount of experience points I got in this particular section to be pretty laughable by the time I was trying to level up. So I gave up, like, I, I, I could have, like, I guess like four or five hours, I would have probably gotten a level or two, but like, I don't know. It was something like 30 or 40th fights for a level at the, how my experience points was being divided up. And that did well, sounded Were you, were you capping out of like what? 36, 37? <sighs> Boy, I can't even remember. It's been it's been a, like a week now since I was at that level. Um, I thought you said it was thirty five, like we thirty five battles or thirty five experience points. Uh, level thirty five. Ah, yeah, because that's when you can that. summon like Black Frost and Frost Days. So I think. Oh that was... wait, I don't think I was at thirty five yet. I think I was at like thirty three. 
Maybe. Anyway, point is, my experience points was laughable. I tried, uh, I tried doing these summoning demons things, and I couldn't find any demons that really worked for this particular fight. Um, and uh, eventually, I just found out that there's a cheesy a cheese method to beat this, which is to uh, buy the rock vest from the shop, which specifically um, uh, reflects uh, physical and. Uh, if you just if you berserk, unsummon all your demons, and just heal on the random turns where you're not uh, roid raided by a Roga, then you will survive and beat him relatively easily. <laughs> I like it when games include paths like that on difficult bosses. It's yeah. nice. Oh, definitely. Because like I, I think it's just. Spells. Do you just live through the fire spells too? Oh wait! I think that was it. it like it's uh, the, it's it's either uh, strong or neutral on fire. Oh okay, okay. I, I'm gonna look it up. Rock vest. Ugh. Anyway, so uh, it took me like, I, I was able to do it on the first try using that strategy. It's like it's really built for you to succeed, and it's pretty hard to uh, completely destroy it uh, when you're using that strategy. It is a it is an easy win. Um, but yeah, then you win. Asura goes down laughing, saying that it's already too late to stop the Earth from filling with chaos. And then he dies, and you get a Forma, and you also get the Rosetta for the Delphinus Sector. Um, with the data for the new Sector and the help of the Council outside, Arthur finds the vanishing point, and the game's over. We can, like, pack it up and leave now. <laughs> um, we did it. That was the final area. Just like um, all the other final areas before this so, one. Yeah, exactly. So the, the shorts were, you know... <laughs> So you go to the point where the Schwartz Belt meets the outside world, and that's where the game will end. Um, and then uh, Hymenus wake up, wakes up after being possessed by Asura, and uh, says that he understands demons better. He feels closer to Bugaboo. Uh, you know, they go all hugsies. It's um, it's getting weird and creepy between the Hymenus and Bugaboo. I mean, it was already weird and creepy. It just keeps getting weirder and creepier. Guys, why is this in this game? God damn it. Okay, it's good. It's a good storyline, but we get to, we get payoff for it this episode, and it, or is there even more payoff than this, or is this the? Oh, this whatever. is pretty much this is pretty much the payoff for their relationship. I mean, after his thing happens, I mean, you pretty much know where it's going to go from there. It's true. Uh, so we'll get to that. We'll save the conversation. But I was already feeling weirded out by this point, and then the next thing happens. Anyway. <laughs> The council calls in. They have a plan to destroy the Schwarzfeld. Um, this might surprise you. Basically, the plan is to blow it up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and since you guys are on your way outside of the Schwarzfeld, everything should be good. They're going to, you know, blow it up with bombs, and you'll be out of it. So uh, you go, you try to get out, and then you don't get out. There's more rooms, and so you go to Sector E. I could have sworn that you think you're getting out in Sector E, and then there's the reveal that there's one. Oh, wait, so no, this is the... Oh, oh, this is the vanishing point. I'm sorry. So this is when they think they're about to find the path out. Yeah, they, they think, think Sector E is the vanishing them. point, right? Okay, the way I'm remembering it is they think they found the vanishing point at the end of Sector E, and then they're surprised when, like, oh, no, there's more to do. You're think- right. You're right, Chris. Uh, I think I screwed people. I screwed y'all up, because I said that in the intro that they thought they were going to be leaving after uh, 
trash trash land uh delfina but uh no no it's sector well, so e where the vanishing point is supposed to be well we've ruined the joke already but going into sector e it's basically flagging you that this is the end of the game get ready or at least like seemingly hint hint hey we are at the end of the story ha 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 well, they've, yeah. they've kind of been doing that at the end of every sector since the first one because, like, when they escape, when they get that first form of the le- or the first um, uh, thing that lets them escape that first sector, they're like, "Okay, finally, we can punch through the Schwarzfeld and get out of here." And then it just yeah, reveals another. You, but you, as the player, didn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that was the first dungeon of the game. It's kind of wishful thinking from the characters because they're like all constantly exhausted. Like, what? We want to get out of here. This is the worst. Like, they're constantly hoping that the next leap will be the leap home. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's a that's a theme song, isn't it? That's Quantum Leap, isn't that's, it? That's Quantum Leap. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> I had a few things uh, before we actually get to Sector E and do the full and do the uh, full introduction to Sector E and stuff. Uh, there's a quest that's been running throughout the game that I'm not sure you guys have probably run into it. Have you run into any just random dead bodies just lying in the Schwarzwald? Oh, oh yeah, box quest, right? Like someone's asking for the the, the recordings of them when they died. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is if you don't actually have this quest. The flavor yes. text just says, you found a dead body, which yep. is kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah. Like, just a weird flavor bit to just be like, oh, there's just random dead bodies scattered around. But yeah. actually, you go pick up the quest, and someone wants you to, like, you know, forge through their demonicas for information about the sectors they died in and stuff. Which, you know- <laughs> eh, I kind of like the flavor bit of just random dead people lying around. It's kind of weird, but... It, yeah, it's, I have uh, to- I have to bring this up because it's relevant to a game I just played, uh, System Shock 2. Eventually, there's a point in System Shock 2 where there are dead bodies in places where they should have, you know, long ago been either consumed or, like, ruined and not be full dead corpses anymore. And, mm-hmm. man, that that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, why, why are these demons leaving these bodies perfectly intact? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good meat they're wasting, is all I'm saying. And I think back in episode one, I mentioned that if you start a new game plus, it drops this weird thing into your um, into your sub-app inventory called New Megami Tensei, and when you activate it, it gives you a message about raw errors or something. Well, I actually hit another demon conversation that I think helped me figure out what that's about. There's one... <laughs> Someone who says, what is what is your little helmet thing for? And you can say, like, it sees demon weaknesses or it analyzes the environment. One of the responses is, it analyzes ROMs, which doesn't make any sense. But if you do it, the, demon, the, the demon's response, I'm not sure if they do it every time, but the ones I met say, hey, that's, uh, <laughs> that is against the law. Stop doing that. <laughs> and they immediately attack you. So I'm pretty sure these references to, like, ROMs being a bad thing are uh, about the... You know, the uh, the original DS had, like, a huge piracy problem, from what I understand. Like, uh, because the, the carts were super easy to hack and just slap onto a regular RF chip. So it was, like, really easy to get a ton of DS carts just uh, and, like, rip them all onto a chip. And... You know, so you could just own the entire DS library 
without ever like buying any of those games. And it was apparently a real problem for developers at the time. Oh, definitely. I'm thinking is what this is in reference to now. It's a really esoteric joke that it took me a while to figure out. Well, just thinking back to that era, like I got my DS uh, right before I went to college and college kids don't have much money. And yeah, like after a couple of years of that thing being out, you could get a DS flash card that just took an SD card or something for less money than a new DS game, mm-hmm. which was yeah, that, that's 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 got to be pretty damaging to a system, knowing that you can download any game in the library, slap it on for less than the cost of just buying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I k- kind of wish I had one just to like you know, not have to worry about cycling out my DS cards all the time. But yeah, you know, whatever. The only ones I ever, the only two games I ever played on an RF cart were Oendon One and Two because you know they didn't come out. Ooh, in yeah, no export. <laughs> And uh, they were they were amazing. Owen is great. Absolutely. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember you have very specific and awesome opinions about music. I don't mean awesome as like <laughs> passive aggressive. Oh, your your opinions are awesome, Brian. But, I uh, just yeah. I wanted to like Elite Beat Agents, and I realized that Owen is not the same as Elite Beat Agents. But manly beatings. I know, like game mechanic wise, but like tone wise. <laughs> Are and, you a uh, skater boy? See you later, boy. <laughs> ugh, ugh, Evan, come on, come on, man. I I I one hundred percent at elite beat agents, which means I listen to way more of those songs than I probably should have. <laughs> elite, elite beat agents, the uh, one with the uh, "You're my inspiration." With, oh yeah, uh, the, yeah. Like, with the dead Christmas ghost. Yes, can use Yeah, I am not nearly good enough at rhythm games in order to play the higher difficulties on Elite Beat Agents, but I do play them on normal and really like them. Yeah, they're really cool. So, to this game though, you need no reflexes whatsoever. Yeah. As we go. move into Sector Eridanus, I looked it up, but it is spelled it is spelled Eridanus. Uh, it is pronounced Aradinus, and it is, um, it's not I definitely never noticed that until you said it. It's the way I was able to remember how to spell it consistently on the notes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've is, always it, said it as Aridanus. Aridanus. It is anything but Arid. Uh, a little bit, little bit, a little bit shitty, though. It is a beautiful garden sector. Um, as you are walking around, it looks like... A hedge maze, basically. Uh, there are little patches of blue light peeking out from within the leaves and the foliage. Uh, but as you explore a little bit further, that kind of starts to fall away. Uh, the higher up you go, the kind of the more lazy the world seems to be, where instead of it being this massive, lush garden, it's more like a framework. And then when you get to the very top of the sector, it's just basically a floating platform. Uh, really cool theming. I like the way it looks. I I was never able to figure out what this sector was supposed to be, like what sin it was supposed I to was, represent. Yeah, I was this a little confused. down the seven deadly sins thing when we get to this point. Because like, I'm not entirely sure what the rest of the sectors are supposed to represent. If they've I'm got, sure they, supposed to have the same motif. I'm sure they have something, but I, I kind of feel like at this point it stops mattering as much because the demons you're fighting aren't really – like Horkos was obvious. Like Jude was all about gluttony. But like once you kind of get beyond some of those guys, like – yeah, a lot, a lot of the, the people that – a lot of the demons that head up the end of an area don't really seem to represent a human failing so much as they're just like, hey, I'm a creature from myth and 
I represent something beyond human understanding. Yeah, Eridanus is infinity. Like, the entire theme of the sector is infinity. They hit it a lot. I think one thing that was that is interesting is on the uh, higher floors with the um, that are kind of like a large lab like area. Um, there are screens on the wall that show like nuclear explosions and things like that. Oh yeah, the background. Yeah. But I couldn't really make heads or tails of why those were on the walls. But it was kind of a know. cool little flavor bit. But- because someone liked the architect scene in the Matrix or the bit from the end of Watchmen. <laughs> I kind of figured it is like so once you get above the garden sector, yeah, when you get into those those white areas where it looks kind of like it looks kind of like a lab, but a lab designed to look kind of like a French mansion at the same time. And yeah, like on those screens, I kinda of got the impression of demons doing research into all the terrible things that humans do. Because mm-hmm. uh, the demons are obviously learning from humans, and as we'll find out a little bit later, like they were straight up being driven by negative emotions in humans. That's how they draw their power. So a uh, small spoiler for about an hour from now. Uh, and we won't go, so we won't go beat by beat out of every area in this dungeon, but overall it has a couple of tricks in it. Uh, dark zones are back. Pocket dimensions are back. And, uh, oh boy, our poison floor is back. Aridonis uh, was a lot more of a slog than I remembered it being. Uh, yeah, I don't know about if it was for you guys. I think gonna... the the low point of it for me is the teleportation maze. Oh my god, the teleportation maze is... I mean, <laughs> if you just look at, on uh, an FAQ with a map for the teleportation maze, um, there are probably, I think, 26 discrete points that teleport from one area to another. Yeah. Oh, and it's even worse than that because it's not just the teleporters, but the teleport maze terminates in like a hole and ladder maze. So you got to play shoots and ladders at the end of your teleport puzzle. Yeah, it's it's dumb. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say Iridanus as a sector is pretty bad uh, because I mean, like this is a sector that starts by intru- by giving you a bunch of po- unavoidable poison floor tiles introduces sleep tiles which means your character your main character can be uh the dice can roll that he falls asleep and is just unable to move and so then the game starts taking turns to see if you either wake up or get into a battle yeah, one thing i do love side quest throughout the game that'll give you the sub apps that make you resistant to uh damage and status effect floors but does it, oh, those does are it, crucial here. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't. Man, I've been kind of ignoring my uh, sub app thing the entire game, guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I have, I, I, I'm full up, and I like the ones I have. Yeah, I've got one that gives my whole party HP, and one that gives my whole party MP as I'm walking, and like that's good enough for me. Yeah. yeah at a certain point, this game gets a lot easier if you're switching sub apps in order to fulfill whatever purpose you're going for like if i'm if i'm going to be fusing for a certain demon i'll change up my sub apps to accommodate that because uh there's a bunch of ones that'll modify how your fusion works uh and yeah with this map uh there's one you get called i think uh nurse and medic and uh i think you get both of them from the uh fairy town quests yeah i think so oh the other thing is like a lot of the sub apps are i'm just not buying sub apps because my current strategy is the only thing's worth maka are new guns, new swords, new armor, and password demons. And so password demons are getting expensive. If you're short on cash, the um, the those scan demons, the little circles on the mini map, yeah. uh, they'll they'll drop um, formula that's worth like eight to twelve thousand uh, 
Maca. When so I'm you, you grinding, I them. never seem to find them. Gotcha. Yeah, it's I one mean, of those things where they're, they're everywhere when you want to ignore them, but they're never where you where you need them. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure there's a sub app to make them more common, but again, that requires messing with my sub app, so it's like... <laughs> I don't think there actually is. I think they're randomly placed like the Forma are, generally. But isn't there... There's not one to, like, increase Forma finding? I thought there was. No, Forma are just randomly spawned in, and you just have to find them. Oh, whatever. Is, is, there, is there one that lowers the encounter rate in dungeons? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a bunch to lower. You can lower and raise the encounter rate. I wonder if it's like you put that on and, yeah, okay, that's interesting. Okay, oh, so, no. uh, we, yeah, back, uh... Back so, to the, um... Wait, wait, back, wait, wait, wait. Back, I, I, sorry, I, we, uh, we, we, we got on a tangent there. Um, so yeah, that's, this is a dungeon that starts with the sleep in poison tiles, works its way up to a teleportation maze, and then does a shoots and ladders puzzle. So, like, mm-hmm. that, those, those are three pretty bad gut punches right in a row, and then we get to the upper floor, and then that is a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, and three, back to the um, four aren't that bad. <laughs> yeah, the, the upper floors are the fastest part of this dungeon. But um, back to the back to the sleep traps. So one thing I actually do like about those sleep tiles is that um, you find Jimenez uh, or Jimenez uh, passed out on the sleep tile on the very first floor and bugaboo is like, hasn't quite learned English again yet. So he's trying to beg you to help you out, but your only interaction with him is to just punch and kick him, which, which makes sense. Cause that's the way you, that's the way you wake up a party member. Whenever you're in a battle is you have a, you wait for a demon to punch him. <laughs> and then he wakes up. He's like, man, thank you so much for saving me. You're so kind. Why am I sore all over? And Bugaboo's very obviously trying to tattle on you, but he can't speak English. So you is just like, why did I even ask you buddy? Which, <laughs> I, I like those little slice of life moments between him and Bugaboo. Uh, but yeah, as as you are exploring the sector, uh, Arthur starts detecting problems with the crew's radios, and they start detecting this massive energy flux uh, in the Schwarzwelt. Uh, Arthur says it could be a huge demon or a ship the size of yours. So a little bit of foreshadowing. Uh, you poke around for a little bit uh, on the first floor, and you find some new forma, and it introduces and then immediately discards a new mechanic, which is teleporters. Uh, but not the teleport tiles, a teleporter that you activate that teleports you to the other side of a wall. So it's a door. And there was a, there was a little cutscene when you first walked past this on your way to the poison and sleep maze where like Zelenin asks you to find a forma to unlock this thing. Yeah. Basically it's a door and she needs a key for it. And, and it, uh, at, you know, the way they phrase it, it sure seemed like it could have been something you had already found, but. Oh Yeah. It's not, and that kind of bothered me because I was ex- thinking that, like, was I supposed to explore somewhere else, like, that I had already been to find this? Because, I mean, at this point, you have unlocked other doors, like, door apps and stuff, and there are, mm-hmm. like, sectors where I there definitely are probably doors I haven't opened. I don't know. Bothered yeah, me. Well, whole section bothered me. <laughs> yeah, well, once you get the teleporter unlocked, you unlock a whole other chunk of dungeon, uh... On the other side, you find another teleporter. This one is being guarded by a ghoul who very eloquently tells you that uh, he has been ordered to stand guard, and uh, which is weird because normally the demons don't take orders like that. And uh, a couple other things useful on this floor. Uh, once you poke around for a little bit, you can find a new Forma Scan B that allows you to uh, find new types of Forma. Not just on this map, but every one of your previous maps now has uh, new little Formas sprinkled around the area. So the you other have thing- somewhat of an incentive to backtrack. Uh, yeah, the other thing that's super weird about the ghoul standing there, 
other than like that's just not how demons have worked up until this point, you could super easily take a ghoul in a fight at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But if you try to like walk past him, it just says like no, he stops you. It's like what the heck, game? Like I should be <laughs> able to kick his ass. <laughs> yeah, th- th- there are a couple things like that in this area that are a little bit frustrating. But anyway. So with the ghoul out of the way, um, one one nice thing about Aradnus is that there's one central area that all the sort of areas sort of backtrack on and connect to, so that no matter how much progress you make, you're basically one hidden passage away from the one hub area for this dungeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once you get to the hub, you move up onto the uh, third floor, and uh, you find an elevator with one button, and that button says top, and it takes you straight to the tenth floor. Uh as soon as you get there, you're told that you detect a strong energy reading. It sounds like it could be an enemy demon or possibly the vanishing point. And you find the supposed vanishing point, and then as soon as you get up to it, Arthur just freaks out and sends everybody right back to the ship. Uh, he needs to pull us out of the sector ASAP because a large sector is moving around in sector Carina. It is big enough to be a massive demon or maybe even another ship. Hold on, before we do this, am I crazy, guys? It looks like there's only four floors in this dungeon to me. There, no, it is. It, but they, the the fourth floor is called the top floor. Yeah, it's it. There's there's one, two, three, and then an elevator that goes to the top, and then your mini map your mini map will immediately say the tenth floor. Is it? Oh, okay. I so so if if you look that. if you look at the sector select map, Aradnus is a garden with this massive like um with a, with this massive uh, national monument like spire just right in the middle of it, and I think. I guess they maybe could have designed an entire spire with ten floors worth of dungeons, but they basically did three, and they're like, ah, you know what? These guys are suffering enough back in that poison teleport shoots and ladders hellhole. Let's just send them up to the top. <laughs> well, fair enough. I just I changed it to fourth because I thought there was only four floors in the thing, but I guess it's supposed to be a flavor thing that you skip the middle six. Yep. So you go back to uh, Sector Karina to see what's going on, and uh, if you head up to the fourth floor... Uh, there's a secret passage that you can now open, uh, to a new area. And inside there is a giant ship that looks identical to yours. Uh, and it's parked in the middle of the sector. And, uh, instead of being the gigantic, it's a prototype model of this red sprite called Lightning. Now, the Lightning is owned by a private foundation, not a government body. And, uh, as you get up to it, a voice from the other ship radios in. And uh, the voice tells you that they're as sympathetic to your position as the joint project is. And you and Jimenez uh, head onto the ship, which is identical to yours, except that the people are wearing black demonicas instead of your uh, grayish ones. And you meet the leader of this group, who is a uh, Captain Jack, um, which uh, repeatedly made me think of uh, the Billy Joel song. Um but, uh, yeah, yeah, he uh, is Captain Jack, leader of Jack's squad. And it turns out that uh, Jack's been uh, listening, in, in, listening in on all of your streams and uh, communications with the Joint Project and knows everything about your situation. And uh, he was sent in as a businessman to uh, actually create profit and wealth from this world, which, uh, you know, I love is like kind of... Uh, it's it's never exactly explained what the plan is as far as uh, making uh, getting rich. It's like uh, a capture demons, b question mark, c profit. 
plan. Oh, that's an excellent use of that joke. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, despite that, he wants you to uh, look at this uh, in a pragmatic way, and he wants you to uh, establish cordial relations. And he gives you some uh, questions that you answer, you know, in your typical neutral law or chaos uh, ways. You know, do you trust people, demons, neither, et cetera, et cetera. And um, then he goes off on a uh, somewhat extended monologue, which, uh, you know, has strange resonance, as much many of the monologues in this game do right now, where uh, he says that the uh, capitalist world is failing and it needs to be just replaced by the pure hoarding of wealth. <laughs> Basically, and he explains that capitalism isn't exploitative enough and uh, lays down some more uh, anarcho-libertarianism uh, science on you. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he's in the Schwarzfeld so that he and his patrons can get a jump start on that wealth. Um, and so he wants to make a deal with you to uh, give you some uh, technology that will be helpful in your search for the vanishing point but also uh, basically send you out as guinea pigs to get some uh, information for him and uh, get some access to uh, data that he hasn't been able to siphon out of your uh, communications. Uh, it was his demon who was hiding it in Eridanus, or hiding the uh, teleporter in Eridanus, and uh, if you go back, the demon will uh, clear the way for you. And he also reveals that another demon may be able to manipulate and hack into radio waves. Yeah, and he's sending you on, like, the most annoying fetch quest ever right now. Oh, Pretty yeah. much. And it, it's one of those moments where I'm just like, how about I just kill you instead? But, you know, you can't actually do that. Quite yeah, yet. you're not given that option. <laughs> instead, you're given the one option to go back to Eridanus. Um, and teleport into the, uh, teleport maze that we were talking about today, which, you know, or earlier, uh, in the show, which has at least 26 nodes and other, you know, poison points, um, traps, all kinds of shit. There's pitfalls everywhere, there's backtracking, there's poison tiles, and you're just looking for this rare forma. I think three pieces of forma that you have to eventually turn back to Jack. Um, even with, like, a map, I would say this took me probably five to six hours. There's wow. one particularly egregious point. I'm not sure if you guys hit it, where it's through a hidden door and that leads to a hallway. And then there's, like, this huge swath of sleep and poison tiles. And, you know, you turn right to start going down them. And it takes forever to get to the end. And then when you get to the end, there's no way out. So you have to walk all the way back. But when you get back, you're, it, the game has a huge fuck you because it, it be, uh, walking back into the hallway reveals that there was actually a secret door there that you could have just skipped the whole thing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys hit that one, but I <laughs> saw that secret door. I was like, God damn it. I think, yeah, but I think you have to go to, like, a pretty obscure part of the map to actually, like, backtrack into that door. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's gated. I don't think there's any way you could get to it any, any earlier. Well, it's like, um, it's like in the beginning of Floor 2, sort of. Like, you turn right, and if you turn, it looks like you have to turn right again, but you can actually turn left and see the hidden door. 
<laughs> Oy. Anyway, so, you know, just imagine that five or six hours have passed uh, in playtime, and uh, you've uh, found all the forma that Jack sent you to fetch. You go back to uh, Air, uh, you go back to uh, Karina and uh, give it back to Jack, and he agrees to have his people help you find the vanishing point. And so, back on your ship, you uh, detect a abnormal energy reading at the supposed vanishing point. And so, Arthur sends you back again to Eridanus to uh, investigate what's going on. I was just going to jump in and point out there's like kind of this fun side quest in here when you like first get to uh, when you first get to Eridanus where if like immediately to the right of the entrance there's a little monkey guy who gives you these riddles to find his books. Um, they're kind of fun riddles. The first one is like he tells you go talk to a, a demon that's a supernatural phenomenon has the first volume and makes the book look like it's flying on its own. I don't know. Did you guys do these at all? No, oh, yeah. I, I'm not good at riddles. <laughs> Well, that, uh, well, do, 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 Jeopardy theme. That one's poltergeist. <laughs> uh, like the next one is, uh, Bifron's, and then the third one, like a pair of scissors guide the third volume is fate, but those scissors are not for cutting paper. These are like actually kind of lame riddles. That's Atropos, which you can't do until the total, the next floor. Yep. But as you do these, you get, uh, you get the, the volumes of his books back and each one has a password string on it, has like a, has a segment of a password string on it. Once you do the whole quest chain, you get to summon a super powerful password demon. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's yeah. like a Odin or a Thor. It's, it's one of those, I think. I think it's Odin. I think so. I yeah, because yeah, Thor and Loki are lower level and Odin's the high level one. Yeah, he's like in the 70s or something. Yep. Yeah, I'm still stuck on the fourth step of this quest chain because you have to go find a Melcom and they have a super low appearance rate in Anthea, but it's kind of a cute quest chain. I'll probably finish it before we uh, do the last episode. Yeah. And Thoth is also one of the cutest demons in the entire game because he is a baboon with a, a hat and some books. Yeah. Hmm. He's adorable. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, once you are back in Aradnus, uh, you now have your ability to search through, search for new types of hidden doors, and you go straight back to the top, uh, back where you previously thought the vanishing point was. As soon as you show up there, a voice cuts in. Learn fear, protagonist. So you have joined forces with those of the evil planet. But you will not escape from this land by that path. Mother has awakened to serve you justice. I will be watching over as the in- I will be watching over the end of the virus known as mankind. And you can probably guess who that is because there's only one person in this series that talks about Mother with a capital M over and over again. Uh, that is probably Gore. But um, as soon as you hear that, one of Jack's squad shows up in the Black Demonica, uh, in the Black Demonica and he uh, provides you with your new gate search that I mentioned earlier. Uh, this lets you fully explore the floor and um, – uh, what one, th- a couple things in this area. Uh, if you did the side quest back in uh, Buotis to um, fight uh, Yidrasil, you'll actually find him around the corner here. Like as soon as you show up to this floor, you'll see a portion of the map was already explored. And if you head to that area with your new gate search, you'll find Yidrasil there. Uh, the Desir from Booties, uh they'll confront you. Uh, they have recovered their true power as Norn, the goddess of time, and Norn wants to send you to the past to help your past self defeat Yidrasil. And because you are now a certifiable level 40-something badass, uh, it's a really easy fight. He's weak to fire, so you just blast him with that, heal every once in a while. 
And then in exchange, you get uh, a couple of extra fusions, uh, including for some reason, they give you the Norn fusion here, even though you have to be like level 76 to fuse Norn. But anyway, uh, you get the Norn fusion here and a ring that adds plus one to every stat, which is pretty cool. Uh, especially because I, I think we mentioned this in the first episode, but it's worth repeating. Uh, this is a small numbers game. No stat can get above 99. So one, plus one in everything is pretty substantial. Yeah, so behind the hidden fl- uh, the hidden door uh, where you think the vanishing point is, instead you find Ouroboros. Uh, she is standing in front of what looks like a gigantic black hole uh, that you assume to be the vanishing point. And she says to you, uh, The ill omen has come true. Humans have appeared to ruin this land. There's no reason for humans to make the pilgrimage to my shrine. Prisoners of matter cannot reach it. Break apart, you sinful clumps of matter! And then she attacks. Uh, this, this is this is the first boss fight. I think I, I'm going to include a Suraraga in this. This is the first boss fight where I just really hit a wall. Uh, like I probably spent a good six, seven hours trying to find a good way to fight or Boros, just because my team was so not suited for it. I have thoughts. Because um, yes, Asura was the first time when I thought, you know, I think this game's uh, empowerment curve is a little off. This is where I was secure in the thought that the game's empowerment cure- curve is a little <laughs> off. Um, there's a I this time I decided to grind. Just get it out of the way. Here's what I learned: you grind a lot faster when you just put all your demons away. It's just you versus the environment. It's really hard for the first level. Easier for the second level. The third and fourth level are pretty easy, but you do have to heal a lot. So I have a question for you guys. Uh, how strictly are you sticking to um, only summoning demons of your alignment? A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So all. I remember when I fought. So that's interesting, Chris, because when I fought, when I played this game for the first time, I didn't really understand the value of the alignment system. Mm-hmm. I didn't have trouble with this boss. Uh, I had demons of a bunch of different al- of all three alignments. I was neutral. This boss was not a problem. Going back to Ouroboros as a neutral character with nothing but neutral demons, which is how I beat Ouroboros as well, is way harder. And I think that's because the bosses in this game are very much like, yeah, having a party of all one demon type, um, you get extra attacks and you get some bonuses from that. But it seems like these bosses aren't really level checks so much as they are ability checks. Yes. Uh, where, and, and having a team of just one type of demon severely limits what you can – like unless you have a filled out compendium, or you know what all the fusion combinations are, severely limits the abilities you have available to you at any given level. So here was my well, here other... going to be my part two of the empowerment curve rant, which is um, this is when I uh, finally shelled out for some high level password demons from the from the FAQ, and uh, they were they are so good I am still using them into Gru's. And which ooh. ones are you using? Um, you know, it doesn't matter because really what's useful about them is that each, both of the two of them, the two I'm using have uh, a complete set of dine spells mm-hmm. of each nice. element. So it's like uh, they, they just, I'm able to do the the uh, elemental gam, gam, uh, the gamut of elemental spells on any given battle. So if it's a new enemy, I can just run through all four options real quick, knock them off the list if that's not the weakness. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still cause... using the same path law, uh, uh, the same law password demons as I had um, for uh, that I, before Ouroboros, and I've got the same same situation where I mean there are definitely three other different 
three different demons, but they have like the whole gamut of uh, elemental effects. Plus, they all have healing spells as well. So I have I have a part three to this, but I Chris, I believe you were about to say something. Before I, I was just going to ask because like uh, usually when I get like a like a demon that's pretty powerful for a while, I tend to get a little bit attached to them. And, oh, like, yeah. not really want to fuse them for a while. So I was just curious if you guys had gotten any that you really liked. It, uh, so that, this is why my this is my part three, which is I think natural fusion kind of sucks in this game. Um, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I do not seem to be getting many powerful demons from my fusion abilities. Like, the next good demon I can fuse with the demons I have, which I think is a good set of demons, is a Thor at level 76, and I'm level 50-something right now. So I think this is another instance, like kind of, kind of like with how the game punishes you for keeping only your alignment worth of demons. It's kind of the same way with fusion. Like if you have a roster of nothing but one alignment's worth of demons, uh, you don't have a broad enough set of um, uh, demon families to really, or uh, Arc- Arcana or whatever it is, to um, to fuse enough useful demons. So you you kind of need to be recruiting and fusing a spread across all three alignments, even if you aren't going to use them in your actual fights. Because well, yeah, like. I, can I've noticed you even the same recruit thing. Recruit opposite alignment demons. Like if you're law or chaos, can you recruit the other ones? Because law ki- uh, demons don't talk to me. You you can recruit neutral, but not law. But you can fuse law demons. Okay, so oh, so you're saying just fuse law demons and then okay, yeah, that's, yeah, that's just so rough. That's so much to keep track of and to. Gosh, I don't like that. But. I forget where you. I forget where you get it, but there's a sub app called Green Grass. That basic, it makes it significantly more likely for that thing to happen where at the beginning of a battle, a demon will be like, hey, hold on, I don't want to fight. Can I join oh, your party? Yeah. Uh, I, th- and I think you get that useful. naturally. Yeah, like, I, I it's think super useful because it ignores all alignment restrictions. And it will make it to where dark type demons who you normally can't talk to will sometimes just join you. So that's like super good uh, sub app. Oh, and there's another one you probably have by now that I think you get in the first area called Light in Hell that causes the demons to beg for mercy at the end of a fight. Mm-hmm. When they do that, they have a a reasonably high chance of joining your party if you're a higher level than them. Yeah, Light in Hell and Green Grass are good for demon extra demon recruitment. But yeah, failing that, just uh, summon some uh, cheap demons out of your compendium, fuse them together into a bunch of other into a bunch of demons you don't have already. Uh, but yeah, like. It, for for the normal fusion to work in this game, you really need to have a deep roster. And actually thinking about that, whenever we play a mainline SMT game like this in the future, like SMT4 uh, that has a full alignment system like this, and maybe even SMT2, it, it might be worthwhile for all of us to kind of like to maybe stick to the neutral path for a little bit because you always have, like, you always have more options as neutral than you do as any other alignment. Mm-hmm. I've got one more tip for you guys. I'm not sure if it'll be helpful at this point, but it can be good. Um, special fusion. A lot of times uh, summoning the demons to do a special fusion is significantly cheaper than summoning a demon of the level that the special fusion demon would be. No, oh, that's a good so, point. So summoning up the components for hmm. a special fusion, fusing that, and then using that in a regular fusion will often get you something like new or better in the, the sort of tier you're looking for. Okay, so I think we're ready to move on to what we got to yeah. do to stop Ouroboros, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's a couple of things that are real pains in the dick about this fight. Uh, the first one is uh, she has a spell that just showers random ailments on your entire party. And uh, oh, ailments, 
ailments hit you. It seems to be based primarily on either uh, on a combination of level and uh, I guess your speed. But uh, yeah, she'll shower ailments on the whole part, or not speed, agility. And it, it ranges the gamut. I don't think she can stone you, but she can mute you, paralyze you, poison you, uh, confuse you, charm you. It's 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 a nightmare. Uh, this is the thing that was tripping me up the whole time because I had the right resistances and everything, but then I did a bad dice roll and I'd wipe two turns later. Oh, stone reminds me, you can't use a auto battle on this floor because there's basilisks. And they can stone your main character, which instantly <laughs> ends your game. Uh, that is why I fused a basilisk immediately, and uh, <laughs> and always talk my way out of those fights. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and in addition to casting the ailments on the whole party, you have to be careful about what demons you like. This has got to be a hard fight for chaos heroes because uh, she also casts Mahama, which is a medium chance uh, insta kill light damage for every character in your party. And on top of Mahama, she also has a heavy shock spell. And to make everything a little bit just shittier, she recharges 160 HP every single turn. So on top of everything else, you also have to out-damage her. And at this point in the game, 160 HP is not a trivial amount to overcome. So depending on what your damage output is, this can be a long-ass battle. But uh, once once you manage to figure out one way or another how to get through that fight... uh, Ouroboros tells you that uh, she is the beginning and the end, and humans simply can't understand that. Uh, It's sad that humanity can't understand a concept like infinity. Uh, And in what seems to be like (laughs) – in kind of the pattern of this game, you could always tell – you could always tell you didn't actually win when anybody tells you you did a good job for winning. Uh, Because your crew just showers you in praise for defeating the big nasty Ouroboros. (laughs) And almost, and I like this because almost immediately something goes wrong. Your crew detects a huge surge of energy, and uh, Gore just shows up in his. Uh, this is my favorite Gore scene in the entire game, all the way through the ending. He shows up in front of this black hole. It's this massive black hole in the center of the room, rimmed with a brilliant blue outline. And he just shows up smack dab in the middle of it in his tux, looking fly with his white eyes. And he says, How sad. Humans cannot grasp the concept of infinity. They have no means of resisting Ouroboros Maya. She will, mother, will resurrect Ouroboros to punish humanity. And then immediately Ouroboros responds, knocks you back with a massive wave of energy, and Arthur calls a retreat. And conveniently, as soon as he does that, Captain Jack radios in. He congratulates you on a good fight despite the stronger enemy. And, uh... Tells you that there are enemies all across the sector sending energy to Ouroboros to bring her back to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, basically from here, it's it sounds like it's going to be a huge bear to do like another major quest to beat this boss. It's actually not that big a deal. You just kind of need to go around the outside rim of the top floor here, and there's like these little nodes that each have a. a like a slightly stronger version of a regular enemy standing in them, and you just need to kill all those, and then you can beat the the Ouroboros, basically. Um, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. There's also kind of this, um, there's a side demon you meet in here, who, it's, um, the, it's the Dontalian demon? Did you get, I, I don't know if you Yeah, the, the worst, the worst quest in the game. <laughs> <laughs> he basically gives, uh, okay, an Etrian Odyssey... Which, we've mentioned this before, in Etrian Odyssey they reward you with fully mapping a floor by allowing you to instantly teleport to the entrances and exits of that floor by just tapping them, so you never have to walk through a floor after you've fully mapped it again, which is kind of nice. Uh, but they don't really have that option here. 
So um, instead, what they do is they give you this guy will give you underwhelming rewards for fully mapping floors if you choose to do so. Um, I think he gives you like a few, uh, like a small quest sequence to do the first few, and I think he gives you a better version of MP region for the party, which like is it's good, but it's underwhelming for the work. And you can do more floors, but he only rewards you with mock after that point. So yeah, that's it, it's kind of appropriate that for a guy that kind of stands in for the reward you get in Etrian Odyssey, that his rewards would be way better in Etrian Odyssey. Like, oh, if yeah. you gave me that sub-ability in Etrian where you'd regen MP for the party, I'd be in heaven. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd win the game, pretty much. At that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In this game, there are, like, chakra pots are, what, like, one, two thousand maka and a couple of common forma? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, so, I th- I forget what all the specific demons are. I know you fight a basilisks. Uh, I know you fight a basilisk. I think you fight a zellerhorns and a Vaishuzen too. But they're all, I think they're all, like, snake or dragon themed, is the idea. Are the outer demons that are sending her energy. And they all have some little flavor text about, like, ah, oh, we will survive for eternity or whatever. But they don't, because you kill them. <laughs> and then, when you, uh, once you're done with that, you just kind of head back over and you fight Ouroboros again. It's, I think it's an easier fight the second time. If she doesn't reach in health. Yeah, she doesn't regen health, but she has twice as much HP, so it, it kind of balances out to be the same. Yeah. Uh, I think my one thing I noticed for this one, I'm not sure if you guys uh, did the same thing. Because she's resistant to physical, the uh, co-op attacks are actually going to be like kind of a drop in the bucket on this fight. Because those generally do majority physical damage. So, uh, my, I didn't so, really do it this time because I didn't I th- have to. I thought I thought those were all mighty damage. Are they? I could have sworn I could have sworn they were like like uh, neutered by physical resistance. It, so, so that could that could be the demons you have in your party because I've definitely noticed like depending on the level and the nature of your demons, some of them do a ton of damage in co op, some of them do way less. Uh, so, I, like, I, depending on my party comp in the same boss fight, I've had a, I've had a co op attack do as much as like one hundred fifty damage or as little as like twenty. Yeah, I, I know you had pretty about, yeah. standard damage. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. like abysmal, but it, it wasn't great or nothing. But it was more. It, I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't. It was. It was fractional. It was. It was. It helped in the long term, but in the short term, it wasn't like significant damage. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Because yeah, if, if I recall, if I recall, it's based on your your demon strength. <laughs> so if you have a bunch of demons that have very strong magic but lower strength, they'll do lower co op damage. I think. Hmm. Well, anyway, my point was my usual strategy for this is pull out all of the demons I can with Agidine. Just, just, just shower three Agidines a turn on her. Oh yeah, and she'll, you know, die. I, 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 had a, I even swapped for a weaker gun that had a fire spell just so I could keep doing co-op damage. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, it it helped, but yeah, just small, small little attacks but i basically i just everyone honestly i don't remember this boss i just remember healing and fire attacks and that's it i don't think i oh and i had um my that's the other thing my my two demons have one of them has uh, debilitate and the other has lust candy and mm-hmm. both of those are really <laughs> good spells do you know what lust candy does evan i don't attack defense evade up on all your party members 
Yeah, it's. Oh, is that what that's called? Versus debilitate. I think it's luster candy. Oh yeah, yeah, luster candy. I'm yeah. Sure so, sorry, you, you said you luster candy in the game. Yeah, it's luster candy. Oh, they abbreviated luster candy in the menu. Okay, there okay. we go. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. L- L- luster candy is wonderful. It is the best fifty MP you can spend in a turn. <laughs> uh, yeah, but after you beat her again, she like. Has a dramatic death speech. No, my children, the Taurus of Eternity has been severed. I cannot fall at the hands of humans. <laughs> I don't know what a Taurus is, but, you know. T- Taurus is a three-dimensional circle. Like th- Think like a ring. Think so like a, a ring from Sonic the Hedgehog. That's a Taurus. Oh, okay, okay. I gotcha. So a donut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. No, uh, no, the holy realm of the gods cannot be defiled by humans. And, you know... Yeah, this is uh, supposed to be a big moment in the story. Basically, like, you know, you surpass the capabilities of humans, you're in the realm of infinity now. Uh, it's kind of a cool moment. She you drops killed- a... Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was say, you killed your first mother. Your first capital M mother. That's a, that's a pretty good moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You destroyed the concept of infinity. Good job. Good job, hero. <laughs> oh, oh, hey, guys, you know what a Taurus... You, know uh, you know what's a Taurus? Huh. The map of Final Fantasy, any Final Fantasy game. Oh yeah, and um, Ultima Online is also a Taurus. <laughs> what? So okay, uh, so imagine the map of Final Fantasy VII, right? When you go at to, up to the very north, what happens? It. Sir, oh okay. You I go right back actually, to the, the very south, right? Yeah, seven's like the one I've played the least, honestly. Well, any of them, like eight, six, five, <laughs> like that. You just if you go to the very north, you end up on the south end of the map. Okay, and I that's be, and so basically, if you imagine the world map, it would have to be shaped like a tube that goes in a circle, which is a torus. I just always imagined it as representing a globe. <laughs> so, so if it was a globe, it would put you at the top of the map, but on the other side of the top. But because it's a torus, it puts you right at the bottom. Oh yeah, I guess it does do that, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I was. I'll, I'll suspend my disbelief to let them pretend that that's how globes work. Oh yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going to fault them for it. it. It's so much easier to just do that in a game. I get it, but it's it, when somebody pointed that out to me, I I can't not think about it. It's funny. Oh yeah, I, I'd have it pointed out too. Again, like from Ultima Online, it's a kind of thing where like if you look at a two dimensional map, you think that's how it must work because oh yeah yeah north south east west it's all connected. Yeah, when you reach the west side, you go to the east side. And it's not until you start getting into things like maps aren't actually accurate representations of a globe. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess none of this actually is is what it seems. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you get, um, to go along with the Infinity theming, you get a Klein bottle from Ouroboros. And uh, she also drops a formless mass, which I think is the first, ex- do they say this is the first exotic matter? I think yeah, do. you don't know what it is yet, but it, it is the first exotic matter. Yeah, they don't tell you that yet. It, it's a techno babble thing. When you initially get it, that becomes a different techno babble thing. <laughs> it actually means something <laughs> later on. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and Gore like flips out. He totally didn't expect this. He's uh, he you know he figured you were just gonna die. So uh, now he's uh, like lost and without purpose. Uh, he has no idea what what his purpose is in this new world where humans are capable of, you know, winning fistfights with God. Uh, and uh, so he thinks the fate of the world might cha- might have changed, and he, uh, you know, he, he does he, he, he does have a moment of indecision where he's like, maybe I should beat them up, but maybe I should leave. So he just decides to leave. And you have a giant black hole right in front of you, 
You did it. You're getting to the end of the game. You're going to fly through that hole and that's going to be it. You won. Yeah. Uh, except not. <laughs> because <laughs> you get back in the ship, fly through the hole, and you are you, you didn't really make any progress. There's just more stuff. It's kind of kind of a weird anticlimax, honestly. Yeah, why they even built it up to like make you the player think that this might be the end of the game is strange. Yeah, it's super weird. I'm not entirely sure why they. Uh, yeah, like I'm with you. I, I don't know what what the point of of hitting you with this uh, like fake out is supposed to do. I mean, I guess like I kind of think that they were going for like a you know built up hope and and crush them one more time, but it, like I don't know. It just it didn't. It, they just felt like they pushed it so hard in this one particular instance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's I, it's it's like if the boy, boy who cried wolf story involved him crying wolf like ten times, and then people <laughs> finally not believing him. Yeah, right. like, oh, the fifth time. Oh, this time there has to be a wolf. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I pointed it out a few times over the course of the past few episodes because I remember it being such a strange anticlimax for like no reason. But anyway, before you even find out about that, while you're flying through the big, the vanishing point black hole thing, the the ship's going along, you're in your, your plasma shield, and then something like a big energy signature flies up from behind, smacks the back of the ship, no one sees it, and you, Jimenez, and Zelenin all get, uh, Jimenez, not Jimenez, you, Jimenez, and Zelenin all get uh, teleported to that white room with the three mysterious guys who you know, gave you power at the beginning of the game. Uh, Jimenez and Zelenin are totally, they're confused. They have no idea what they're doing here because only you have seen this up until this point. Um, they, uh, they're all like, ha ha, oh, you can't change the world with technology. That's stupid. Um, you have to like go beyond human capabilities to do that. And like, well, you just destroyed the concept of infinity. So you seem to be well on the way, <laughs> but <laughs> They're, they they scoff at that and uh, are like, well, you know, you know all that those nukes that they were setting off to blow up the Schwarzwald. Well, that didn't work at all, and was a dumb plan, in fact. Which you know, it might have been. Uh, basically, what they tell you is, uh, yeah, they uh, what what they tell you is that um, I think they bring up Mem Mem Aleph for the first time here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they're like, Mem Aleph is the center of the Schwarzwelt, and there's just no way for you to do anything about it. Humans can't do anything about it. He's gonna, he represents the Earth's anger, and is just gonna kill you. You know? Give up now. What are you even doing? Uh, you, uh, yeah, he says the Schwarzwelt's gonna absorb the entire Earth, and humans are just gonna, you know, have to live in the, you know, shitty world that they made <laughs> now. <laughs> so, uh, the, the, he does have a pretty good line where, um... He's like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I forget what the exact context is here, but uh, your character's like, wait, what's going on? Or maybe it's Simides or something. But they say, ask the ghost cast in circuits that you know as Arthur. The and they call him, uh, yeah, the, the Alma Automata, the Alma Automata who holds the key to destruction. I, I, that is a really weird reference. I do not know why they call him the Alma Automata because Alma is like an alternate Roman name for Venus. And I'm not entirely sure I understand that reference to calling Arthur with that referential. But, um, I I, I don't know, but you saying the word automata is making me anxious for (laughs) near coming out next month. (laughs) (laughs) 
I've been uh, managing to suppress my excitement for that game for quite a while. But, how many games yeah. are you buying in March, Evan? <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna have. <laughs> I'm, I'm buying a. I'm, I might be buying a fucking house in March. I don't know if I'll be able to buy any games. Fortunately, oh, I ha- my my anti drug is not having finished the first near. So <laughs> I do love platinum games. So I thought I finished the first near. Then a former guest and absolutely lovely man, uh, Fletch, informed me that I did not, in fact, beat it. I only beat it with one character. So there's apparently another game that I never even saw. So, yeah, I, I, character in near. What? Yeah. What? I think you it. have to do another. You have to do like a couple more run-throughs from like after the halfway point. Oh, I think. oh, Evan, uh, d- don't listen to them. It's it's awful. Nothing's good after that. So after I beat the game with the big burly <laughs> white-haired man, I'm done. I Correct? dude, you beat it one time. I, I beat it with the big burly man. Yes. Okay, so people. Okay, I just played near. Everyone basically told me, Brian, you don't actually get to see Nier until you do the New Game Plus. You have to do one run of New Game Plus to say you have seen Nier. Um, New Game Plus take starts halfway through the game. You keep all your levels from the old uh, from your last game, so all the boss fights take like less than half the time they did the first time through. Um, gotcha. But you still have to do all of the running around and going through mazes and stuff. Uh, but uh, there is a thing that happens in New Game Plus that kind of colors the game in a different light. Um, I didn't think it was that crazy. A lot of people really, really love it. Yeah, but you don't like anything, Brian. I love... <laughs> I like... Um, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> not, not weakening my argument here. I like Persona 4. <laughs> That's a good game. I assume I will like Persona 5. Anyway. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'll i stop talking about Nier. But it's just like the gameplay's interesting but not great enough for me to like that story. I don't get why that story is considered one of the best stories in video games, I guess. Sector 4nex. This is the next place. Uh, the Red Sprite crash lands into an unknown sector. It's 4nex. We lame it 4nex. Um, Arthur is rebooting and the crew is all banged up. Everyone on the crew saw the, the three men in the white room. Uh, the, gra- the Graviton radio is destroyed. Between the Schwarzfeld being t- uh, larger than anticipated and the three men interfering, the escape has overall failed. The uh, formless mass you picked up from Ouroboros, uh, however, is one of the exotic matter the three men had mentioned. Um, and uh, so what is the, the exotic matter? It uh, controls the vanishing point. Right. Um, so, yeah, still on our way to the vanishing point. Uh, Fornax is like its gold future technology doors that slide up and down. 
Uh, like giant looks like geometric a, designs. Yeah. It looks like a honeycomb to me. Yeah. It looks like weirdo future alien things to me, but like not... I don't know. It's it's very uh, not human, not Earth-centric kind of design. Um, and uh, here's the big uh, gimmick for Fornax. Uh, as you're walking down, you get a warning. Hey, there's a... There's a powerful demon somewhere. We cannot figure out where it is. Be careful. And you're just walking down the hallway. I think it's literally just a few tiles later uh, sequentially from that message. But you're literally just walking down the hallway and uh, this gets the award for uh, Brian's Mega 10 Misery Award for this game where uh, the wall just gets destroyed and you are suddenly in a boss fight. Uh <laughs> It's Morax, what? our old buddy from Sector A. This one isn't that bad, is it? No, but I just like the... Uh, there's there's a certain amount of tension it brings just because it's so sudden that I like. <laughs> I, I agree with that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we had a, we, we talked about like a 26-node teleporter maze earlier, so <laughs> that may be... That, that gave me a lot more misery than... Yeah, having, but, uh, like, I'm looking for the joyful misery. Yeah. The, the ones where at the end of it, I'm like, that was a funny trick. Ha ha. The, the teleporter maze was not a funny trick. Brian wants to find the pain that he enjoys. Exactly. Um, more. So this is Morax. He bursts through the wall, and he shows us his true form, where he evolves into Moloch, a Canaanite god of child sacrifice. Uh, one of those ancient evil gods that people are always talking about. Straightforward boss fight, has weaknesses that you have spells for, um, and he casts basic spells, and uh, you win. It goes by pretty quick, honestly. Um, and uh, once you hear the defeat Moloch, you hear the voices. Oh, it's your, it's your old friend. This was pretty funny, because once you see the word Buono, you know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like how they they give the voice te- like the text voice of the other three major bosses in this little intro. That's kind of fun. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty fun moment. So you can basically guess you're going to go fight these bosses, and they're all going to have a true form as well. And this is when where we get to the main gimmick of Fornax as a whole, which is you aren't dealing with one large cohesive dungeon. You're dealing with three mini dungeons. I do also have to say. The true forms of the th- of these bosses, I think they're all kind of awesome. I really like all four of the the true form designs. There's mm-hmm. one I really like, and I think the other ones are still pretty good. <laughs> um, I'm guessing Orcus. Yeah, uh, yeah. When he turns into the Gate of Hell guy, that's great. Yeah, I love that. That is immediately what I thought when you mentioned scary doors earlier on in the episode. <laughs> so, scary um... doors. So, uh, Louisa Fair shows up. She tells you that though this world, the demons are able to take the gift of the mothers and become their true selves. Um, and, uh, the selves were the demons forms before God struck them down to demon. And we've, we, we've talked about this in another SMT game where it's basically canon that, you know, God, uh, took the old gods and turned them to demons and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and yeah. I, that actually fits really well with the first demon. It doesn't fit well with all these demons, but with Moloch in particular, um, Moloch is the Canaanite god of child sacrifice, but his earlier form, Morax, is based on, is, is a Christian 
mythological demon based on Moloch. So like <laughs> Morax is the Christian bastardization of this pre-Judaic uh, pre, pre god. Yeah, which I think um, I love. Yeah, Morax is from the the Goetia, I believe. He's one of the seven, one of Solomon's seventy-two demons. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. And like, yeah, there are a lot of a lot of the 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 demons in the Goetica are just like bastardizations of uh, other, you know, uh, gods from that area, the Middle East crescent. Incidentally, mm-hmm. I don't remember the number off the top of my head, but um, there is an SCP on the SCP wiki based on Moloch that is one of my favorites ever, and the SCP is basically just Moloch. You should but... you should link me that. What is the SCP wiki? Oh, no, oh, no, my God. no. God. Just, you, just you real, get, real quick. You get three minutes. Very quick. Oh. It's, it's one of my favorite things. It is a piece of collaborative fiction where every – it's a piece of collaborative horror fiction where every story is written in the form of like a lab write-up from an organization dedicated to controlling the paranormal and the dangerous. So okay. It is the um, Secure, Control, and Protect wiki. For the SCP organization. The one that always stuck with me is there's one that's a uh, – it is a staircase in like a university and the staircase oh, – yeah. uh, it seemingly goes down forever. And But if you get to like the 60th floor or something, you will see like a, a, like a head floating in this mist that you can't quite make out. So I I almost I almost sh- so I, I have a VR headset. Um, oh, I was messing around with a bunch SCP of CP games, didn't you, Evan? Yeah, I was messing around with a bunch of stuff on itch.io, and I didn't realize that this was that SCP because I it was I thought it was oh this must be a programming game SCP dash number number dash C dot A. <laughs> okay, yeah, this is like this is like hexadecimal code. And so I load it up and I walk in the door. I'm like, okay, I have a flashlight. I'm going in this cabin. I'm like, oh, this is a dark stairwell. And then as soon as I take a couple of steps down, I'm like, oh, this is that stairwell. And then I see the face and I just rip the entire headset off my head. I'm like, nope, I am not I am not doing this. I've already had enough nightmares from this story. I've seen I've seen uh YouTube playthroughs of that little itch.io game, so that was probably a good move. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, incidentally, I looked it up. The SCP I was mentioning, Moloch, is SCP-089, if anyone is curious. Okay, moving onwards. Um, so this uh, the the dungeon basically splits into three paths. Here, your left path, your middle path, and your right path. Um, you can conquer these in any order, but if you go up the middle path, eventually you'll get stopped for not beating the other demons yet. Um, so going down the right path, it's basically giant dark room. I don't, uh, yeah, right. Uh, just uh, I don't remember anything else except just dark room paths, right? And your visualizer yeah, works again, which it didn't last dark room that you encountered. You get a well, you there, get a uh, update to your uh, main app. I miss that. Oh, there's red darknesses, there's yeah, red there's darknesses, a- and green darknesses, and you can see green darknesses already. But then there's a few red darknesses you've run into now. This kind of addresses what that thing you were complaining about last time, where they like took away darkness as soon as you saw it. Well, then there's other darkness. Yeah, that you still can't see. It's it's silly. It's too it's silly. I'm not sure that's a great way to gate progress, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, you, you again, every boss is basically going to just sort of bust through a wall as you're walking around, which is pretty <laughs> funny. Um, so Horcus busts through, and he transforms into 
Orcus, a demonic gateway into the gate, basically into hell. And he basically says that he's going to suck your soul into hell. He also tells you, humans drowned yourself in civilization and love your pleasures too much. That is why you fear death so. And then he tries to kill you. Fails. It's a pretty easy boss fight again. Yeah, none of these yep. are super hard. They're just, you know... They're, they're both really great designs, and they also fill up your special fusion list with easily summonable good demons, which is nice. And, and they're a nice injection of XP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is when you actually get the uh, how this is going to actually pace out, because then as soon as you win, Arthur calls you, calls everyone back to the ship for the for an emergency mission. They found where Jack's base is, and uh, suspicious activity is going there. So let's go there. You try to get there. Uh, one of his goons, Jack's goons, uh, blocks you, and uh, basically you can't get in. Um, you go back to the ship. You guys all argue about it. Jimenez says, I'm going to go and spy on them, and everyone's like, okay. And so you leave Jimenez behind, and then you go back to Fornax, and then you continue down the path in the main dungeon. Yeah. It kind of reveals that the entire layout of this dungeon is really just to set up a way for time to pass in discrete increments in this other plot point that's happening off screen. Yeah, it's pretty clever in that way. I like that. But it, yeah. yeah. So anyway, then you go down the other path before you get on the middle path. This one's a multi-floor maze. There's pits and ladders, one-way doors, secret doors. Uh, not like a million secret doors, but enough that they play into it usually. Um, you grab... Um, you grab the you grab another uh, sun mirror. That's a exotic forma again. Mm-hmm. So so there there are three mirrors. There's a couple mirrors in this area. There's the moon mirror, the sun mirror, and they're they're not exotic formas, but they're weird formas. You need and if you go back to the lab, oh, you yeah. need them for yeah. that three forma thing. Yeah, you yeah. need all of them because if you take just one or two back to uh, what's his oh name? oh yes, the weirdly southern guy. He's going to tell you, like, oh, I'll come back with more. Oh, I remember now exactly what it's for. We'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's a multi-floor There's a central elevator that lets you reset back to the first floor if you take a wrong path. Uh, basically, you go deep enough and you find Mitra, burst through the wall, transforms into Mithras, god absorbed into the Roman pantheon from Zoroastrianism. I probably didn't pronounce that right, did I? I think, uh, I think Mithras is right. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, obviously you're talking about the harder to pronounce of those two words. <laughs> yes, the, the religion one. Anyway, um, they, uh, you know, they drop that they're serving the goddess Tiamat. And, uh, again, pretty quick boss fight. Uh, if there's an insta-kill attack, I don't think I ever even got hit by it. Yeah, it's a Mahama. Uh, I think it's Mahaman or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh no, no, it's 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 Haman, which is the high high probability insta kill single oh, target sure. attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fortunately you can mitigate these. I don't know if you guys have been picking up sacrifices. It's an item that will negate light and dark insta kills on your main character. I have yeah. a few you know. somehow. I'm not sure where they came from. You just get them throughout the game, you know. It's yeah. nice, you know. Yeah. So Arthur calls you after you beat Mithras, and you go back to Jack Squad HQ. Uh, Jimenez has been captured by Jack Squad, so you got to go rescue him. And that leads us to another dungeon. So yeah, you take off from Fornax and go back to Jack's base, and um, 
When you uh, go back to the Red Sprite, Captain Jack hails the crew, and he says that uh, for spying on him, your crew has violated your contract with him, and that any friendly terminate uh, any any friendly relations are terminated. He said Jimenez uh, entered the base without permission and sabotaged Jack's labs. He let loose uh, experimental materials, which were basically demons that they were capturing that they captured and uh, were experimenting on. Um, and so the crew is unified in their, uh, discussion of, uh, what they should do. They decide they should attack Jack's base and get Jimenez back. So you get back to the base and, uh, you go up to the door that you were turned away from previously and Jack's crew, uh, attacks you at the entrance. And these are the first non-demons that you've fought. And uh, they're pretty much just standard physical and gun attacks. Uh, they're pretty close. They were pretty close to my level at this point. I think they're like level 45. Um, but they're not incredibly hard. Uh, they don't have any real weaknesses, though. So it takes a little while to take them down. Did you try talking to the humans at all? Yeah, I did. But nothing really came of those discussions. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they they just kind of, like, mock you for trying to negotiate with them. Yeah. Yeah, all, all the demons are dark-typed, so you can't negotiate with them to get out of the fights either. Uh, but again, it is, there is a way around this, actually. If you have that Green Grasses app I mentioned, occasionally one of their de- w- at the start of a fight, one of their demons will just join you, and that just immediately ends the fight. So <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure how that's supposed to work in-universe, but just, like... I, I imagine one of these demons, one of these demon fights starting up, and the demon being like, "Man, this guy's an asshole. I'm gonna hook up with this guy," and then that guy just just like, "Well, I'm leaving then." Pretty much. <laughs> so uh, you want you go throughout this map, and uh, you're gonna find these uh, little rooms that are off to the side, and uh, inside there, inside each room, you can find you know either members of Jack squads or demons that were in some kind of like, you know, experimental chamber or something like that. You're, uh, so you're seeing like all these different, like kind of like sciency rooms. Um, you take on a few groups of, uh, Jack squad, uh, members and demons. And, um, as you do this, you come across Louisa Fair, who shows up once again, and she tells you that she loves watching humans fight each other, and she also tells you that your friend Jimenez is about to meet his end, and you should be there to see it. So you have to go down some stairs to an underground lab, and you go through the, the maze downstairs, and uh, you interrogate a scientist in the basement for the key code, and you have to kind of like badger him. I think you have to like ask him like you know. <laughs> three or four times repeatedly to uh, get him to give you the key code. And so then you go into the lab and you see Jimenez and Bugaboo and they're both in cultivation tanks and Jack's squad was trying to fuse them together. So hence all of the uh, tutting and uh, (laughs) laughing that we've been uh, and uh, other references that we've been kind of alluding to with uh, Jimenez and uh, Bugaboo's special relationship. Um, 
Jimenez is arguing with the scientist who's trying to fuse them, and the scientist notices, notice, notices that you're there and freaks out. He hits a switch, tells you that both your friends are dead, and then runs off. The machine hasn't actually killed them, but it's in the process of killing them, and Jimenez urge, urges you to take the demon fusion program on your demonica and fuse the two of them before it's too late. So you go along with this, as uh, you see it's the only way to uh, save Jimenez's life. And Jimenez and Bugaboo uh, are fused. I, I, I feel like that for the fusion animation, they literally use the, like, you're fusing a demon <laughs> animation. <laughs> yeah, for your totally. That's awesome. Okay, and then we see the fused version of Jimenez and Bugaboo. I have to ask, was anyone else disappointed that their name was not replaced with Himaboo or Buganez, like a <laughs> Dragon Ball character? Because I really wanted that. I love Buganez. <laughs> well, I hadn't thought of that before. Just me? Okay. Okay. I, 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 I thought of like Himaboo or something like that, but for some reason you saying Buganez just caught me off guard. <laughs> I, I don't think that's a I don't think I don't I don't think that's a phoneme that humans are meant to pronounce. <laughs> <clears throat> so Buganez uh tells you that he uh feels great. He's better than ever. And um he takes you he takes off for the lightning to uh Take uh, the battles straight to Jack. Now, uh, if you go back upstairs, you can go and um, if uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, but you can find the lightning earlier, but you can't get inside because uh, the hatch is closed and uh, Jack is not going to let you in. Um, this time you go to the back of the first floor and find the lightning once again, and Jimenez rips the hatch off the ship and charges in. And uh, Jack is pretty pissed about this and uh, summons a bunch of demons to uh, kill uh, Jimenez and you. And he turns to you and he gives you a bit more of his spiel that countries and corporations are all the same. War is just another way to leverage assets against competitors, after all. And uh, so he decides to uh, leverage his uh, pisakas, which are his demons, at you, and attacks. And so now you've got a uh, now you've got to uh, take on Captain Jack. And this is definitely a tougher boss fight than the uh, oh, yeah. boss fights that you've been uh, facing um, over in Fornax. Uh, he has pretty high HP, and he can heal for. Over a thousand HP and clear all stat decreases. He's got a multi-hit heavy gun attack, and the Pisakas can cast bomb on you, which can insta kill a whole part. Um, uh, oh, sorry, that was a typo. A party, whole party sometimes. Uh, sometimes. Um, the Pisakas are weak to fire, though, which means that if you try to take them down in the first couple of steps, you really like. Are uh, or the first couple of turns, you're uh, making a pretty major uh, dent into the uh, general battle. Uh, even though Jack is weak to nothing, you can pretty much like if you're high enough level, you can chip away at him um, once those uh, Pisakas are taken down. Yeah, yeah and kind of like with kind of like with the, the um, Ouroboros fight, 
uh, keeping with the theme of this game being more about uh, skill checks than level checks, if you have one or two guys on your party that can reflect gun, it makes this fight very fast. Totally, totally. And so once you beat him, he's pretty bummed out. Jimenez says, uh, uh, Jimenez says, I bet I'm sure your demons would rather die than protect scum like you. And Jack, yeah, I begs- think he has. He has a line about like, oh, but I don't want to die. <laughs> I just really wish that I my character could respond. Well, let's let the free market decide. <laughs> <laughs> he begs for his life. <laughs> he says there's got to be some kind of deal he can strike. And Jimenez won't hear it and wants to kill him here and now. And uh, he asks you for permission because I'm on the law side. I told him to uh, spare him. But uh, either way, Jimenez kills him. Yeah. So if any listener, and I I really mean this from the heart, if any listener gets the reference I'm about to drop, please write in. But this reminds me a lot of a conversation between a spacer and a couple of loyalists in the Brigador audiobook, where the spacer is begging for uh, his life, and he also makes the same sort of request of the loyalists. (laughs) So... If there is someone else in the world that not only played Brigador, but also listened to the fucking audiobook, please write in. I didn't know you were in that deep, Evan. I mean, I guess I should have assumed. <sighs> Jesus. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like 10 hours long, too. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. So. But it's the same. It, yeah. It, it, it's, it's the same, same conversation. I didn't realize the Brigador was a multimedia project. I thought it was the, oh, dude, was oh, dude, game. Brigador. So th- this is another 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 tangent. But Brigador has an awesome soundtrack by Makeup and Vanity Set, who does really great synthwave music. The guys who paid the, the brothers who made Brigador love this guy's soundtrack so much that even after Brigador came out and tanked, they're like, you know what? Our game sold like shit, but your music is so damn good. Make us a second album and put it out on vinyl based on Brigador. <laughs> so like, yeah, there, there, there's like, there's an audiobook and there's an album that they already knew the game had, had more or less failed its launch, but they're like, you know what? No, this music is too good. We're going to, we're going to commission more. Right, is of it. it getting better? Like, are people caring yet? You talk about it so much. I so, just think it's like a major hit. It, it isn't. And, but they are relaunching it this summer. Uh, they're, they're they putting in against like some huge other indie game release or something. No, they launched it with tank controls and mandatory tank controls, and everybody looked at that game and thought this is a dual stick shooter. But then they got into it, and they're like, "Oh, this has this has character rel- relative movement, not screen relative movement. This is insane." And so they're redesigning it with more options and a better tutorial and a new campaign and all kinds of great stuff this summer. But I, I, I may be, yeah. <laughs> you sound like a fan. I could, I could I could do a podcast on just Brigador. Where can somebody kidding. pick up such a fine product? <laughs> Steam. Uh, you could also see me streaming Brigador um, on March. Checking my calendar on March seventeenth. I'm going to be streaming Brigador for the uh, Duck Spring charity event that we'll mention later on the show. Well, no, Jimenez uh, wants to kill the captain's crew as well, and uh, Zelenin comes in and talks him down. And, uh, basically, you take all the tech, uh, and all the items that the Lightning had, um, you leave, like, a skeleton crew of your people there to watch over what's rest, what's left of Jack's crew, um, and you also find the star mirror, and now with these three mirrors, you can, uh, upgrade your, uh, enemy search function, 
And uh, Jimenez, when he's uh, brought back to the Red Sprite, is acting kind of crazy. And Zelenin is worried uh, what what you're going to do with him. She's worried that she's uh, that he's becoming more and more like a demon. And uh, Arthur and the crew decide to uh, just put him in the sick bay and uh, let him be monitored. So uh, we go back to uh, Fornax. Uh, we got to search for more exotic matter. Um, you uh, so you to get enemy search B right. We have to get all of the three mirrors, correct? Yeah. So by this point, we have found the three mirrors. Uh, they were hidden in various places. Uh, I think in treasure chests mostly, right? You could find them on the floor where the demons were in the left and right parts of uh, floor five of Fornax. So right before the boss fight, you'd find a mirror. Right. But it was in a treasure chest, right? Like, I'm not crazy, right? Uh, I think it was a, a, it was like a forma search form. Okay. Form. Oh yes. In the, uh, the new forma that we just got. Yeah. Cause I'm not sure we mentioned this. The new forma search shows silver forma squares on your map now which are different from the normal orange form of squares. So you get the you get the three mirrors, you go back to the fu- to the lab. They fuse for you enemy search B and then you can now if you had gone down the middle path, you would have found a demon that basically you couldn't go past just like that demon back in sector in the fuck palace that blocked your path uh because you couldn't see them. Um so you do it again, enemy search B, you can see them this time. Um Surprise! It's Asura again! Hooray! This time Asura turns <laughs> into their true form. Um, we don't have a name here. Ashira. Ashira. Um, and Ashira, much like Asura, uses Asura Raga. Uh, this time I found it a lot easier to deal with. It seemed my def- like just defending against it on the first move was enough, and then they mm. wouldn't cast it again for another like five moves. And I could usually guess when they were about to do it and defend. So this is the same thing as fighting Ashura in the beginning of this episode where they, they Ashura will cast this like over and over and over again if you get a bad roll of the dice. So yeah, I, I did totally wipe a couple times because the Ashura Raga was cast four times in a row. Yeah, I mean I definitely – it's definitely kind of a luck fight. I did have to reload once or twice but – it it would seemed pretty easy to get a role where like not, sure two of your demons are under a sergaraga but they just end up hitting the boss instead of themselves somehow. Oh yeah. Well, the other, the other thing is this spell is based on your demons kind of like agility. So if you have appropriately leveled demons, even if you aren't defending, it probably won't hit you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's the same spell, so I think it actually is less effective against you now because you're stronger. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So that's interesting. Leveling is weird in SMT games. Um, so you beat them, and uh, now you can go on and uh, fight Tiamat. Um, there's uh, just a little like dark room dimension shift puzzle, which I don't even really think is a puzzle because you can. I think you can get to the. The the shift just makes it easier to traverse, but you can see in the dark anyway, so it's not a huge deal. Uh, yeah, what the shift does is there's a little side room that's a dead end. You use the shift, and that side room becomes the path to the boss. Oh, I could have sworn it. you could have gotten in through the other way, though, but maybe I'm wrong. Once you, you trigger the shift, you can then get in the other way, but yeah. Okay. I think you have to trigger the shift to get the boss. Um, so you go in and you fight Tiamat, and she is a mother in a very interesting sense, uh, in so much that she's <laughs> she made of a mother. breasts and vaginas <laughs> she's made of boobs. and tentacles. 
like all mothers have. Mm-hmm. Um, think think of anything like, a mother has, and she has a little bit too much of it. She has like a ton of boobs, and then like her body is on top of another body that also has boobs. It's a very boob focused design. It's like the inhuman centipede. <laughs> okay, factual check. My girlfriend's mad at me. Listen, they're not vaginas if they're on the outside, those are vulvas. We don't technically know there's a vagina in there. That is the canal that the penis goes into to start a pregnancy. It's mostly just like oval oval symbols <laughs> more than like actual depictions of vaginas. Yeah, no, they're not it's just but they're they're definitely visual signifiers of, you know, yonic imagery. Yes, yonic. I was about to ask what that word was cuz it's so easy to forget. Um <laughs> anyway, so uh Time to fight uh, Tiamat. She uh, basically gives you a little speech. Let's give her. Let's let's hear her motivation, shall we? We demons have slept as seeds in this land unknown to humans, but demons are an intimately tied to human emotion. The dark thoughts of humans flowed through this land, giving us power. Now our buds begin to open. So long as this land is abundant with seeds, I will birth an endless orchard of demons. So she just wants to give birth forever. Awesome. I'm kind of into that. Guys, did I ever tell I, you I'm, my second favorite Lovecraft god is uh, is uh, Shub Niggeroth? Yeah, the cloud that yeah. sort of farts out demons. I love it. Hmm. <laughs> I, I believe you mentioned that when we fought um, – who, who was that one in SMT1? Oh, boy. I don't remember. I remember Yon's it, 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 it was like – yeah, well, you told us that when we fought that guy. <laughs> I love Shub That was in Persona, I think. Oh, you're right. That was Persona 1. Yeah, that was. I'm forgetting my own show. <laughs> I mean, it's easy to. Anyway, so we got a boss fight. She's um, weak to electric, which is weird for a, like to, for just a normal elemental spell, I guess, for a, a hard boss or a supposedly hard boss. I had almost no problem with this. But then again, I think, like, I really summoned some good demons. Delib- de- debilitate and, uh, and Luster Candy just make a lot of boss fights totally manageable, just kind of... Health checks. Make sure you're not doing the stupidest spell possible. You're good. Uh, See, now I you're doing it like me. <laughs> I had a little more trouble that. because I couldn't get a good demon with a uh, with either Dakaja or uh, Debilitate on my team. Uh, so what I managed to finally figure out was that if I spammed Acid Breath, which lowers defense by two for the enemy every turn, if I spammed that every single turn and kept that guy stocked with MP items. I could get her casting enough spells of her her own version of Luster Candy that it stops her from attacking me and just wiping me out in two turns. So, yeah, th- this was a tougher fight for me, again, because like I fell into the trap I talked about earlier where I had nothing but neutral demons and I had a very hard time getting demons that had a diverse set of skills. Like I, I, At this point in the game, I'm still using, um, I'm still using the same heal- healer that I used on Asura. The original Asura at the beginning of the episode. Wait, which demon's that? Uh, it is uh, Silky. Oh wow! Yeah, Dang because I, because I, I I legitimately have not fused another demon that does uh, Medea Rama yet. Uh, mm. a, after this fight, I got the demon which has Dirahan, which then got Medea Rama as its um, demon source. So I can have a demon now that has it. But yeah, like this is the first demon that I encountered since that fight that has Madeira Madeirahan. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Karn is also a good way to get through this fight, because uh, she's, I think, her most dangerous, like, the only real danger attacks she has are all magic, so 
if you spam a car card on yourself, I think that's another way around it. So, so the the one thing about that that makes it tough, and I know this because I did something that's kind of shitty that didn't work out, but it did waste all my maca. Um, <laughs> refl- that's a so ref- perfect outcome. Yeah. So <laughs> reflect spells do not work if a res- if the spell they cast does damage and also alters an attribute. So her oh. her her sunset melody it does almighty damage, which can theoretically be reflected, but it also lowers your party's attack. And because it is a stat-altering spell, it bypasses any Makarkarn or the reflection you have. Oh, God. So, I was having a lot of trouble with this fight, and I went online and I started looking for really shitty, scummy password demons, and I found all these... I found a Jack Frost and a couple of other low-level demons that reflected everything. Like, everything. <laughs> and so I spent all of my maca. I sold all of my demon for, I sold almost all my forma in order to afford all these demons. And so I had this whole party full of people that reflected everything and I was going in all confident. And then she cast that spell once and wiped my party. Oh, and I was like, yeah. oh, I guess that's not how reflect works. And you only have two save slots. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got through it. I'll survive. I'll I'll continue to survive. But I, I kind of feel like this is appropriate because I tried to cheat the game, and the game just gave me the big middle finger right back. <laughs> but I do, but I now do have a level twelve Jack Frost that reflects everything for whatever that's worth. Is it skill page just filled up with reflect, reflect, reflect? Yeah. He can't oh. cast skills. He can only attack, defend, and reflect. <laughs> <sighs> that must have been a real hassle for someone to defuse that guy. Yeah. So has everyone uh, – have we said all we need to say about the boss fight? Yeah, pretty much, I think. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so. Okay, so you beat her. Um, oh, what did you hope to accomplish rebelling against your mother? She drops a salt lump and an exotic form matter for the Fornex sector, and then Arthur calls you back to the ship immediately. But before you can return, Commander Gore shows up. He uh, says to you, Tiamat has fallen. A mother has disappeared. Who am I? And what awaits me? <laughs> and then Second Commander Gore... The See, that, that would be the... That's the Rob Sterling moment, right there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, That's a good question for us to, you know, for the episode to go out on. And uh, <laughs> the rest. I don't think, did we even speculate on what what uh, Fornax is supposed to represent? Because Green? it doesn't really. I don't know. What have we already Green? done? What's left? I mean, like, giving birth to things is not like a, it, it doesn't fit the framework. Like, I don't know, like, so where did the, seven, did the seven deadly sins thing, is it actually in the game? Or, I don't remember. I, I think okay. I think it was supposed to be, but like, so it, it makes sense early on. Like, yes. G- Gluttony makes sense for Sector, uh, Sector C. Uh, greed makes sense for the whole, like, Jack's little uh, cavalcade and his little pocket universe. But yeah, for, for the two sectors, we the two main sectors we covered here, that's that's not really a seven deadly sin. And slight spoiler for the next episode, but the next sector is just a play off sector A again. So maybe that's sloth. <laughs> There's also a sector H. Yeah, so obviously if I don't know, I'm just not sure the seven deadly sins things holds if it's actually in the game or not. Yeah, I mean, someone put it in the notes early on and I was like, well, maybe someone looked it up, but honestly, I did remember that we were going to get to a point where like they stop representing things really. 
Well, that's interesting. Um, so, <laughs> I guess it's time for admin. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. The, the, the demon yeah. is dead. We're moving on to a new sector, which means it's time for a new episode yeah. in two weeks. Next episode will theoretically be the final episode on Strange Journey. Yeah. All the mysteries will be revealed. If you got any uh, feedback, uh, you could uh, drop us a line at mega10marathon at gmail.com. Or Twitter. Or, or especially uh, on, on Facebook Twitter, or Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. I, I especially recommend you give us feedback if you have heard of Brigador. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so Duck Spring is coming up. It is a uh, benefit for the Transactive Youth Center in Portland. We are doing it... Um, Unofficially, it is more hosted by the Duck Spring Podcast Network. Uh, you know, I think we've espoused praises for them before. Great network of people, great community over there. And we are more acting as members of that community. But we also happen to be doing a Mega Ten thing. So if you care uh, to see us watch some cutscenes from the original Persona 1 translation... <laughs> And just sort of react to the original localization of the game. Like, we haven't, any of us haven't looked at it, really. Spoilers, I, it's racist. Yeah. yeah spoilers, <laughs> spoilers, Mark is black. So, yes. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Um, I'm also, Solo will be opening the event, because uh, I am one of the organizers, along with uh, Sporky, who will be closing the event with a playthrough of Chrono Trigger. I, myself, though, will be... Uh, pl- doing a blind playthrough of Hatoful Boyfriend. Um, I'm thinking about Ooh. if uh, if people donate ten dollars or more, they can decide how I voice a character. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I-, I laughed, but Brian actually has really awesome accents. So that that you you will get your money's worth. I will do my best to facilitate any and all requests, but if I can't do it, I will gladly change it for the recipient in question. Anyway, yeah, and immediate, immediately after Brian does his slot, I'm I'm taking the next slot. Uh, I am doing a Brigador run. I'm doing. Uh, I haven't decided on my build yet, but it is going to be a world first max difficulty run where I'll probably die and then fuck around for another ten minutes. <laughs> and then after Brigador, I am doing Bastard Bonds, which is a wonderful game. It is kind of like Final Fantasy. It's kind of like Tactics Ogre or Final Fantasy Tactics by way of um, Thomas is it Jack. Tom of Finland, yeah. It's Tactics Ogre by way of Tom of Finland. It is a homoerotic tactical RPG. It's super fun, really wonderful. It's not pornographic, I promise. Oh, man, I so want to see you play that. It's – it's <laughs> so there is another Evan on the Duckfeed TV network, and I some I don't even know how, but somehow I got him into Bastard Bonds, and he absolutely loves it. So yeah, I think Evan's into my, my – I think he's really into that tactical stuff. Isn't yeah. He? So based on based on two based on two data points, one hundred percent of Evans love Bastard Bonds. So if you're an Evan out there, check that game out. Excellent. Um, so yeah, uh, do we have any other admin to go through? I don't know. Do you have anything you want to plug, Chris? Uh, I will say, um, yeah, uh, visit us at uh, sunderanime.simplecast.fm if you want. I am still working on editing episodes. It's like, again, it's been a rough month. <laughs> but you know and uh also uh a couple of the guys from the podcast do also do going digital which i've also uh guested on that's a uh digimon rewatch podcast which has been pretty fun so far oh i, I but um yeah sorry um go ahead 
I also, on the off chance that anybody listening likes uh, dumb, loud music, mostly punk rock, but things with loud guitars in it, I just uh, uploaded uh, two new music podcasts uh, at RazorCake.org. Um, again, must like loud, dumb rock music. Do you, like, play the music, or do you talk about it? Oh, I, I uh, play the music and, like, kind of do these weird monologues, because I have to talk on them. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's it's mostly about, it's basically mixtapes I make, more or less, with breaks where I have to say things about bands that I have no reason to talk about. <laughs> well, I hope Duckspring goes well for you guys. I was originally, I kind of wanted to take a slot to do, to play Melty Blood uh, Actress again for everybody, and like explain the weird lore of the Type Moon universe. But uh, you admin people totally filled up all the slots before it even went out to anyone. <laughs> it, if that's a legitimate complaint, please talk to us. Yeah, it's okay. I was just it, I was pretty not, nervous we, about it anyway. This was an experiment. Anyway, I'm not going to bring this. Anyway, so we uh, <laughs> the with that, I guess it's time to say goodbye. Uh, hey, Paul, you know this crazy thing happened to me the other day. Uh, I actually uh, watched an episode of The Twilight Zone. So I turned it on, right? And then Rod Sterling comes out, and he just stands there and stares at me for 22 whole minutes. Uh, I didn't know this episode existed, man. I I wish someone had told me about it. Because at the very end, he stands still for perfectly still for the entire runtime of the show. And at the very end, he finally speaks. And he tells you, (laughs) Life he... Life ho, he ho, is not fair. <laughs>